Hey, the band's going to keep playing a little bit more because we just we want to talk about something. Every, every week we're talking about the gospel. Are you with me? Every week we're talking about the gospel. Such an important part of who we are as a church and as a congregation. And, and again, because of so many people are tuning in online, hundreds of people every weekend, we, the people all over the world, right? We just want people to have an opportunity to hear what the gospel is and what it means. And so we're calling it a, a welcome home moment. And, and we call it a welcome home moment because... When you make a vow of devotion to Jesus, you're born into God's family. And we believe that in that moment, all of heaven is saying to you, welcome home. So these welcome home moments aren't about welcoming you to this church. We, we want you to feel welcome. But more importantly, we want you to feel drawn into God's family. We believe that every person's deepest desire and greatest need is to know God and to be known by him. It is an ache inside of the human soul. And that creates a dilemma for us because we're born into this world separated from God. And no matter how good we might think that we are, no matter how good of a life we're trying to live, we all have regrets. As we look back over to the story of our lives, there's memories that we have that create this twinge in our heart. If I could do it over, I'd do that differently. Maybe I wouldn't have said those words. I wouldn't have done those things. Regrets, what the Bible calls a sin. And you and I, at some point in our lives, we're going to breathe our last. We're going to stand before God on a day of judgment, and we're going to have to give an account for every one of those regrets. We're going to have to give an account for our lives. And it breaks our heart to think that there will be people on that day of their day of judgment that, that will be the very first time that they have a sense of knowing God and being known by Him. And, and we want to change that as a church. We want to change that as a church. Because in God's justice system, the smallest regret is worthy of eternal death. But this is why we call it the gospel, which means the good news, is that Jesus comes in and He says, I did something to fix all that. A favorite verse of ours in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's Jesus saying to us that he literally can change us on the inside. And that 2,000 years ago when he died on that cross, he made forgiveness possible for every regret that we've ever had, for every regret that's still waiting for us, for every mistake that we're still going to make. He says to you and me, I can forgive that. He changes us and he forgives us as we keep making mistakes along the way. It's good news, isn't it? And, and then he says, so that when that day comes for us and we stand before God on that fateful day, on our day of judgment, we don't have to stand in fear of condemnation. We can stand with a humble hope of expectation that there is an invitation to step into eternal life with Jesus because of the forgiveness that he offers so every Saturday, we're just telling that story because we want people to hear and in hearing they might have a chance to believe and in believing they might have an opportunity to make their own vow of devotion to Christ as many of us have done throughout our lives because someone took the time to tell that story to us. So if you're here in this room, if you're part of our online community and as you look back over the story of your life, you can't find a moment in time where you've made a vow of devotion to Jesus then I'm just going to invite you to borrow my words as I pray for you. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. 
that he died for my sins, that he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And so on this day in May, I make Jesus a vow of devotion to you. I accept the forgiveness that you offer. I invite you now to begin to do that work of transformation with me on the inside. I want to become the person that you've created me to be. And on this day, for the rest of my life, I live with the hope and the expectation that it's not condemnation that's waiting for me in the end, but it is an invitation into eternal life in heaven with you for all eternity. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said together, amen. We love the imagery of the Bible that talks about being born again, right? That when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, you're born into God's family and all of heaven says to you, come on, welcome home. Welcome home. It's good. Come on, can you say a special thanks to the worship team putting in some overtime in the service? It's good. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Hey, this is a little giveaway for Nolan because he makes the best cookies that any dude I ever know has made. He's in our life group, and uh, they's a sign-up for snacks, and I'm an oatmeal raisin guy, right, as every cookie connoisseur should be. But he made some chocolate chip cookies, but they weren't regular chocolate chip cookies. They also had butterscotch chips in them and sea salt on top. I know. I know. And then I'm not sharing the ones that are left over. We absconded those and took them into the office. And I had one this week for the first time. I didn't have one at our, at our life group. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This deserves a giveaway right here. Nolan the baker. All right. So he's on the hook now to be making those for when we gather to eat together. Hey, I just we're, we're just going to dip our toe in the water a little bit with a sermon recap because I just want to keep our hearts connected to this series. We have Mother's Day coming up, which is going to be a standalone, and then we're going to circle back into this. And then, you know, God had other plans tonight, right? So good, isn't it? He just, he just slows things down for people sometimes who need a touch from him. And we are going to be a church that's always intent on not being in a hurry with people who are hurting. We're in this series called Shema. This is an important part of who we are as a church because we, we, we don't want to just find the grace of being born into God's family, which we just talked about, and stay spiritual infants all of our days. We want to grow and mature. And, and, and so we, we have some strategies that we feel like that God has given to us as a church that we're trying to teach you for how that growth and maturity happens. And so the, the, the word that the Bible gives us to talk about this journey of growing and maturing spiritually is the word discipleship. The word discipleship. So when, when, when I say the word discipleship, Somebody raise your hand as I'm walking around. What, what, what is a word that comes to mind when you hear me say discipleship? Praxis. Well done. I know. That's good. Just want to city life zones. Somebody else. What's a word that you think of when I say discipleship? Jocelyn? What? Twelve. Yes. Twelve. Follow. Somebody else? Anybody in the middle? But Somebody up top? Oh, in the balcony. Yes. You're going to have to say it loud. Discipline. 
That is very good. I know. You should be clapping for that little one. Come on. Brentley? Yes. Yes, you're doubling down on the 12. I like it. Somebody else. Another one? One more? Anybody? Anybody? David? Fisherman. Yes, you're hungry, aren't you? I know. It's that special food truck that sells. What's the food truck that does the fish? Got fish. I know. I know. See, I'm hungry too. Victoria, did you have one? Growth. I like it. Growth. Discipleship. It's this idea that the Bible gives us that we have a responsibility to become like the one that we're following. Jesus says, hey, through me, you can be born into our family, but in many ways, that's really when the work begins. Grace brings us into the family of God, and grace keeps us in the family of God, And grace is a part of this journey of discipleship, but it also requires effort. Grace is not permission for us to say, okay, God, you do all the work and change me. He says, no, 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 no. Let me invite you into the process. Discipleship. There are four areas that we're going to draw you into as long as you call City Life Church your home, to do this journey of discipleship together with us. We want to be strategic. We want it to be practical. We want to have plans that we can put into your hands. We're, we've been in a 24-month. We're about a little more than halfway through a two-year plan. All of last year was about the gospel, right? We did the sermon series, the longest sermon series we've ever done in the history of the church, talking about this idea of the story. The Bible tells a story, and you have a part to play. So we did a whole year on the gospel. And, and now this year, in every single service, we're doing a little five-minute presentation of what the gospel is. So you can understand it, but also... The, you can begin to make it your own so you can talk to other people about it. But this journey of discipleship is is inviting you. You've got to spend the rest of your life in these four places. If if, if you're thinking about a home renovation, if that's a metaphor for you, these are the the four phases of the project of your home renovation. Maybe Maybe you're a garage person. You're building a car, right? And you divide that project up into four different parts of the project, but you've got to do all of them to complete it. Maybe you're a baker like Nolan, right? And, and you've got all this family that's coming over for the holidays, right? I, so when, when we're, when I'm a, I'm, I do not do any cooking in my home. I am a, I am a consumer in my house. But I see Vanessa, if, if there's a lot of people coming over, she has a plan for all the different things that needs to happen for the meal to come together. All of those things need to happen for the meal to be complete. All of those things need to happen for the home project to be complete. If you're building a car, all of those things need to happen. Are you with me? Discipleship is the same way. All of these things need to happen for us to become like the person that we're following We already did in the beginning of the year, doxa, which is a Greek word that gives us this word, something that we trust in, something that we believe. So the way of Jesus' beliefs, and we introduced you to seven foundational doctrines of Christianity, but we don't just want to believe those things. We're asking the question, how do those things change? If that's new for you, you can catch that 
whole series on our YouTube channel. Right now we're in the series Shema. We're just a, f- a few weeks into it, but this is the way of Jesus' obedience, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a little bit more in just, in just a minute. And, and then praxis, which Amy said, come on, nice, Amy, setting us up. We're going to get to that at the end of the summer, but if you've been part of this church for any amount of time, this has been a part of our church for many years. The way of Jesus' character, the whole idea about virtue, and then over the holidays, coming through the fall, we're going to settle in on the way of Jesus' peace, shalom. You and I are going to spend the rest of our lives doing these things. The way of Jesus' beliefs, the way of Jesus' character, the way of Jesus' obedience, the way of Jesus' peace, spending time in each of these areas throughout our lives causes us to move forward into this journey of transformation. Discipleship just doesn't have to be an idea. It can be a reality for us. It doesn't have to be a pipe dream. It doesn't just have to be something that's part of our our Christian lingo but doesn't have any actual measurable meaning in my life. Ten years from now, I want to look differently than I do today on the inside. I want to look more like Jesus. And I'm not going to get there unless I have a plan. I'm not going to get there unless I'm being intentional. And some of you know that because if you look back over your life over the last 10 years, if you're honest with yourself, you might say, you know what, Fred? I'm not too much different than I was 10 years ago. And it might be because discipleship for you has just been an idea but has not been a practice. And we want it to be a practice for you here at City Life Church. This idea of Shema, the way of Jesus' obedience, comes from this desire of wanting the reflex of my heart to be one of obedience to God. When you study the life of Jesus, there was an intuitive willingness for him to always say yes to the Father. He wasn't fighting with God. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he felt the weight of his destiny, right? What he, he talks to God, is there any other way? But then what does he say? No, but not my will, but yours be done. Right? The reflex of his heart is to one, is to just to say yes to the Father There's a scale that I've been showing you every week in this series about these three words, rebellious and reluctant and reflexive. All of us in different areas of our life, we fall onto the scale in different places. I want throughout the rest of my days to keep moving my heart towards this place of reflexive obedience to God. Then when I feel the nudge and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit isn't bracing for an argument from me, right? He's expecting willingness on my part. He's going to find a soft heart and an easy yes. Look at this verse in Mark 4. Beginning in 38 to 41, it says, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. This is the biblical basis for napping right here, people. Just saying. In the back of the boat and for boating. Praise God. With his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up, shouting, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Listen to what it says. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's go to the next verse. It's in Mark 3. It says, Whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal 
who he was all throughout Scripture, you see that Jesus had authority over nature. He had a authority over demonic spirits. He had authority over, over sickness. And it begs this question. Are oceans and demons and illnesses and famines, are they doing a better job with obedience to Jesus than I am? Right? It's a, it's a hard question, isn't it? When Jesus stood up in that boat, the waves and the wind did not say, yeah, we're just going to keep on going, Jesus, but we appreciate the suggestion. The, the, the waves and the wind and the rain didn't, did not say to him, we're, we're going to do it our own way. E, even the demonic realm, right, the enemies of our soul, even though they might have resisted, every story in Scripture that we have is that eventually they had to yield to the authority of Christ. Is there something in me when Jesus is drawing me in a certain direction? Is there a reflexive obedience in me? Am I like the wind and the rain on the day of the storm that hears his voice and does his bidding? I would suggest to you tonight that one of the most telling measures of spiritual maturity in my life is my Shema. One of the most telling measures of spiritual maturity in my life is my Shema. Is am I a person in God's family that has a heart that is just prone to this idea of following after the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is the series that we're in, in this next slide that's going to come up. If we're going to close the gap between listening and obedience, then we've got to be willing to work through these five conversions. This is where it gets practical. This is where it gives you some tasks. Now, we've already done moral conversion. Tonight was going to be about intellectual conversion, but we're pushing that because of the time that we wanted to spend for people tonight to find that touch from Christ. So we're going to circle back to that, I think, in a couple of weeks. And then we're going to work through each one of these. So many of us that have grown up into the church have only ever think of of conversion as a moment when we make a vow of devotion to Christ. But that's just the beginning. That's the invitation into this journey called discipleship. And if our hearts are going to become reflexively obedient, then we've got to do the work of these conversions for our hearts to begin to change. Come on, stand with me.